0: We read this psalm in connection with our treatment of Lord's Day 47 which speaks to the petition Hallowed be thy name. We note here the hallowing, the praise that is being directed to God. We hear the inspired word of God. Praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise ye him all his angels. Praise ye him all his hosts. Praise ye him, sun and moon. Praise him, all ye stars of light. Praise him, ye heavens of heavens, and ye waters that be above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. He hath also established them forever and ever. He hath made a decree which shall not pass. Praise the Lord from the earth ye dragons and all deeps, fire and hail, snow and vapor, stormy wind fulfilling his word, mountains and all hills, fruitful trees and all cedars, beasts and all cattle, creeping things and flying fowl, kings of the earth and all people, princes and all judges of the earth, both young men and maidens, old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is excellent. His glory is above the earth and heaven. He also exalteth the horn of his people, the praise of all his saints, even of the children of Israel, a people near unto him. Praise ye the Lord. May God bless his word to our hearts. As I stated, we read that in connection with Lord's Day 47. On the back of our psalters, on page twenty-six, question and answer one hundred twenty-two. Which is the first petition? Hallowed be thy name. That is, grant us first rightly to know thee, and to sanctify, glorify, and praise thee in all thy works, in which thy power, wisdom, goodness. Justice, mercy, and truth are clearly displayed. And further also, that we may so order and direct our whole lives, our thoughts, words, and actions, that thy name may never be blasphemed, but rather honored and praised on our account. Beloved in our Lord Jesus Christ, as God's redeemed children, we must pray. The question then is, for what do we pray? Jesus gives us the Lord's prayer as a pattern. After this manner, pray ye. This prayer teaches us that the most important thing in prayer is not you, it's not me. It's not my interests and my needs. The most important thing in prayer is God. So quickly, as soon as we begin our prayers, we immediately jump to our own needs, our own circumstances. And we soon become wrapped up with a self-centered prayer. The impression that we leave is that God exists for man's benefit. And therefore, we make use of God in order to help us in the circumstances and situations that we find ourselves. Jesus teaches us very differently in the Lord's Prayer. And this petition emphasizes God must be first. Man exists for God's sake. Man exists for God's glory. So that the first three petitions then are about God. First of all, God's name, God's kingdom, and God's will. And similar to the law, where we have the first table focusing on our love toward God, the second table, our love toward the neighbor, the first three petitions of the Lord's Prayer focus on our relationship to God. The other three then our interaction with regard to our own circumstances and needs. Now, this doesn't mean that we ask for nothing for ourselves. But we pray concerning God's name, God's kingdom, and God's will. And in doing so, we're asking God to so work in us that increasingly our lives are God-centered, that our lives are more spiritual, that our lives increasingly are focused not on what I need and think I want, but on God's will and what God has ordained for me. The Psalms teach us the need to praise God. And as we read the Psalms, God sets before us that which is the highest calling, and that is to make known the wonder and the joy of our hearts for our salvation. Having the praise of God in our hearts will dictate how we live and how we conduct ourselves. So that when we pray, hallowed be thy name, we're praying not only for God's glory and honor to be demonstrated in all of our lives, we're praying then with regard to a matter that touches every single day of our lives. As we go through life, this is my focus. This must be my desire. That God's name be extolled. And so we look at hallowed be thy name, noting first the possibility, secondly the need, and finally the answer that God provides. Hallowed be thy name. The first thing we ask is how is this even possible? How is it possible for us to hallow God's name? When we think of that, we think of the idea of making more holy. And the implication then is that we are called now to make God's name holy. How can we do that? That which is holy is that which is set apart, that which is distinguished, exalted, consecrated to some kind of a sacred use. We pray that God's name be holy and that it be consecrated to God. Now we understand there's different ways in which hallowed can be used. Hallowed can be used with regard to things that are unholy, unconsecrated, with the desire that they be consecrated. Something that currently is not in the service of God and desiring now that it be put in God's service. Something that previously was opposed to God and the desire is that that thing now or that matter now be directed in the service of God and for his glory. That's the meaning with regard to us. And when God references his great work of grace and sanctification in our lives, that's the way in which That would be understood. God takes hold of us who are sinners, who are sinful, and God now turns us. And he makes it so that our lives now are directed toward that which is holy and that which is good, consecrated to his service, as those previously who had been caught up in the service of self. But the word can also be used to declare or acknowledge as holy that which already is holy. And that's more the idea as it pertains, of course, to God. We're not making God more holy. We can't begin to improve on God's character, God's nature. It's the acknowledging of that which already is hallowed. And our life increasingly reflecting that acknowledgement. It's to set aside, to set apart that which already is holy. And so for man then to hallow God's name is for man to praise and confess the honor that that name already has, that that name deserves, and that that name ought receive to all eternity. Now we see a wonder taking place here in this psalm. The final three psalms, 148, 149, and 150, are a trio of praise And it's a trio of praise that ascends to higher praise and higher praise until it becomes joy unspeakable and full of glory, we could say. It's a praise that knows no bounds. And the joy that overflows in one's soul spreads through the whole of creation, so that the psalm speaks of praise originating in the heart of a man, a woman, spreading through the whole of the creation as the creation now acknowledges and brings forth that praise. Every creature energized and praises rising up then from everything that has breath. The idea being that God is worthy of that. And now the whole creation which he has made rises up and gives him the honor, the praise that already is his. Man even presses into that praise things with no life. Cymbals, trumpets, harps, organs... Another psalm expresses then, praise the Lord from the heavens, praise the Lord from the earth. Again, stressing that the whole of the creation is engaged in this praise. To hallow God's name then is to acknowledge that name as above every name and worthy of all glory, all honor. That's what we pray for in this petition. That increasingly in my life, in your life, we might acknowledge God in all the glory that he is due. That we might show forth that praise to a greater measure in our walk and in our conduct. And that we might acknowledge then this God who is worthy is the God whom we delight in and desire to acknowledge with that honor. The Westminster Shorter Catechism explaining this petition states, we pray that God would enable us and others to, to glorify Him in all that whereby He maketh Himself known, and that He would dispose all things to His own glory. So that there's this aspect, that God would increasingly strengthen me in order to acknowledge more fully that honor and glory that is due unto God. But then also this desire. God is so great. He's so glorious. I want the whole of the creation to acknowledge it. And so that a desire that the whole of the creation, including even the wicked, would give God the glory that is due unto his name. The Bible makes clear the glory of God is the most important thing in your and my life. It's the chief calling of man. As we busy ourselves and in our work and our day-to-day activities, this has to be first and foremost. Am I living unto God? Am I showing forth his praise in everything I do? Just think of some of the texts that express that. First Corinthians six twenty, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. God owns you. He bought your body, he bought your spirit. And so now the whole of your life is not about you, it's about Him. Glorify God, praise Him now with everything that you are. First Corinthians ten thirty one. Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. The whole of your and my life is to be directed to God's glory, even with regard to matters that we would say are somewhat menial. Eating, drinking, everything that I do, everything I take up, has to have as that focus, that goal, God, His glory, His praise. Ephesians 1.12, that we should be to the praise of His glory who first trusted in Christ. 1 Peter 4.11 teaches that everything in the church has to be done in this way, that God and all things may be glorified. Acts 12 records the tragic judgment of God upon Herod. You children remember that incident. Herod was honoring himself and giving himself all the glory, and he was letting people pray to him and worship him. And God struck him then with worms that he died and we read this immediately the angel of the Lord smote him because he gave not God the glory and he was eaten of worms and gave up the ghost he was taking the glory for himself and he wasn't giving God the glory and God struck him then with death positively we make this point through the psalms when we sing the psalms we're expressing this desire That which lives in our hearts is the desire to give God all praise, to acknowledge him as the one worthy of the whole of the honor that is due unto his name. And the glory of God is the most important thing in our lives. And so now Jesus says, when you pray, number one is the glory of God. That's the first thing you think about. The first thing you think about is not, I need this. I'm really, really sick my loved one needs this. The first thing you think about is God and God's glory. And how is God's glory to be served through the circumstances and the situation of your life? We pray that everything, whether it's doing it in a willing manner or unwilling, would glorify and honor and praise God. Whether it's His children, whether it's Rocks, trees, sun, moon, stars, whether it's even the wicked. We acknowledge that God is going to get all the glory from every single thing that He's created. Even the wicked will praise Him and they will give Him the glory that He is due. Hallowed be Thy name. That which we desire more than anything is that our great God receive all the praise, all the honor, that he is due even though the wicked will not listen to God's commandments they will not submit to him they believe their will is more important than him we know that he will still see to it that they will yet bow before him and have to acknowledge him as their God as God and God alone and so we examine our own lives am I living for the things of God's kingdom do I want glory for myself am I pursuing my own will am I living for the things here below am I living in a carnal way am I walking in a manner that opposes God's glory in my life my prayer is that God will so overrule my will my desires that he will see to it that his name is praised and exalted in and through me We acknowledge that God will be praised. God will see to it that everything gives him glory. 1 Peter 2.12 Having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak evil against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. Notice there, we're being watched. Are we living unto God, unto his glory? And as we're being watched and as people look at us, They also will be brought to see that God's glory must be the focus of their lives as well and that they honor him then. And so we pray for grace. Hallowed be thy name. Lord, grant me the grace consciously to put thee first in the whole of my life. That the whole of my life revolves around God, his praise and his honor. Why? Because of what great things he's done for me. He's delivered me from sin. He's given me to know a Savior. He's granted me the wonder of the gospel so that I know there is therefore now no condemnation for me. Though I'm a sinner and I'm sinful, Jesus stood in my place. He took the punishment that I deserved. And now I want to praise Him. I want to exalt Him in everything that I do and say. The essence of sin is the opposite. Man wants to glorify himself. How can we overcome sin and glorify God? How can we overcome our own sinful nature and give God all the glory? God alone is able to do it. And that's the reason for this prayer. We look to God. He alone is able to work in us and turn us from sin, turn us from selfishness. He alone is able to work in us that humble, heartfelt devotion to Him. Think of John 12, 28. Father, glorify thy name. That was the prayer that was offered up to God. Then there came a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. What a beautiful truth. God is the one who answers this prayer. And he does so in the hearts and lives of his children as well as in the whole of the universe. God will see to it. He will receive all praise all honor and all glory but it's only the regenerated sanctified child of God who has the work of the spirit in him and it's only that spirit that spirit of regeneration that spirit of Jesus Christ that makes it possible for a man to glorify God's name and to seek the glory of God we pray for that work of God's grace work in me by thy spirit that more and more I might live unto thee and show forth thy praise we're reminded again to this apart from god and his grace no man can pray what man apart from god's work in his heart would pray that god be glorified in his life only the one in whom god has worked that desire that wonder will pray this petition And even the child of God, as he takes this petition on his lips, realizes how weak he is, how sinful he is. He takes this prayer in the consciousness that he's a hypocrite. That he has but a small beginning of that new obedience. He's not seeking the glory of God as he ought. But this prayer is from the heart. And it is the sincere desire of the child of God who has been given that new life from above. I want God to be magnified. And I desire that God be extolled in the whole of my life because His name alone is excellent and He is worthy of all praise. His glory is above the heavens. Verse 13, let them praise the name of the Lord. Why? For His name alone is excellent. His glory is above the earth and the heaven. And His name is so excellent because that's the name by which He saves and delivers His children and His church. The great need then that you and I have in our lives is that we desire this glory. Do you really want to pray this? That's the question that we have to ask ourselves. Do I want to live for myself or do I want to live for God and for his glory? And by God's grace, God impresses upon us that the only thing that matters in my life is God and his glory. Everything else pales in comparison. It doesn't matter how good of a job I have. It doesn't matter how healthy I am. It doesn't matter what possessions I have. It doesn't matter how nice of a vehicle I drive or what, a home, what kind of a home I have. No matter what the circumstances of my life, God's glory is that which is most important. And it's that which I'm committed to. The pain, the suffering, the sacrifices of life that may be required of me if I stand up for God are light in comparison to the eternal weight of glory that is mine, reserved in heaven by my Savior. Think of the martyrs. They were willing to give their lives for the sake of the truth. They were willing to suffer, to be killed, knowing that Through their death, God would be honored and glorified. If they were to blaspheme God's name, if they were to turn away from that which was faithful to God, God then would be blasphemed and God's name would not be extolled. But your and my calling is to live for the honor and the glory of God. And God will be glorified through our actions and through our attitudes. And that's what matters now someday it's going to be very clear when we are on our deathbed or when we face final judgment there's really only going to be one thing that mattered did you live unto God did you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and your union to him did that union to him govern the whole of your life and as a child of God that wonder of wonders is what God works God gives us that new life from a God works in us that grace by which we desire to live unto him. We want to show forth his praise. And God works in us the grace too that increasingly everything else fades in comparison. One thing have I desired. To dwell with God in his tabernacle. That's the passion of my life. That's the wonder that God works. And that's why the catechism talks about this petition governing the whole of our lives. Hallowed be thy name is that which governs the whole trajectory of my life. It's a life that's lived, not for self, not for glory, but for God and in submission to his will. How is that possible? Only by a wonder of God's grace. The Holy Spirit at work again in our hearts, working this wonder. And God makes us willing even to drink, the cup of affliction for the hallowing of his name. This is the wonder that God worked in Jesus. Jesus Christ was willing to take upon himself the suffering of Calvary in the place of all of his children. He was willing because his desire was to glorify his Father, to take up that cup of suffering and to drink it, even though it required of him not only his life, but the horrors of hell. But he did it. Why? For the glory of God and out of love for his church. He now works in you and in me as his children, that willingness, that willingness to be molded as clay in the hands of our Heavenly Father and to confess that there's no better place to be than in the hands of our Heavenly Father. As he molds us and as he fashions us, and it hurts It hurts our sinful nature. It hurts our own desires, our passions. But He molds us, making us soft, pliable, working us over so that we become more and more conformed to His image. And He gives us peace. He works in us that peace that passes all understanding, a peace of knowing that I'm in His hands, the hands of the potter. And He's fashioning me as He alone knows for the glory that awaits, and for the place that he has ordained for me in his glorious kingdom. Grace, the power of God's grace, puts God's name above my name. And the power of God's grace is such that it puts God's will above my will. Grace causes us to lose self and to live unto him. This prayer then demands a right knowledge of God. and that's the emphasis here also of the Catechism. that is grant us first rightly to know thee and to sanctify thee. We're not going to glorify God as we ought if we don't know Him. And notice the emphasis here of the psalm. What is it implied? The psalmist here implies that we know God as creator, that he's the one that created all that is around us, the heavens. He created the sun, the moon, That he's the one that created everything, and therefore everything owes its existence to him. He commanded, and they were created, verse 5. He's the one who has established his decrees, verse 6. And those decrees, eternal election, providence, will stand. Those decrees are everlasting decrees. Isaiah 29 teaches us in verses 23 and 24 that for us to sanctify God's name We need to understand and know the name not only, but also in connection with that, we know then good doctrine. But when he seeth his children, the work of mine hands in the midst of him, they shall sanctify my name and sanctify the Holy One of Jacob and shall fear the God of Israel. They also that erred in spirit shall come to understanding and they that murmured shall learn doctrine. When God works in the hearts of his children, he moves them to desire to know him, to know him in his glory in order that he might be honored and magnified, to know him in his works, his works of creation, his works of providence, his works of election, reprobation, knowing God and then giving him the glory that is due unto his holy name. Not knowing God, men do not give him then the honor, the praise that is due unto him. The prayer then, hallowed be thy name, is a prayer too that God gives us to grow in knowledge, grow in understanding. We ask that God will work in us that we dig into his word, that we meditate on it more fully, and that we grow in our appreciation of who he is and how great he is. This petition also demands of us then that we separate ourselves from everything that's not hallowing God's name, our lives must not be hypocritical, inconsistent. If we're saying, hallowed be thy name, and then we're engaged in all kinds of activities that blaspheme God's name, then that's not a sincere prayer from the heart. Am I not only praying this petition, but doing so with a spirit and a life that reflects it? Antithetically separating myself from sin, saying no to the ways that, of evil and the devil and saying yes to the things of God's kingdom and to the glory of God. We can't be praying for the hallowing of God's name at the same time be entertained and amused by God's name being taken for granted and being blasphemed by sexual uncleanness and all kinds of other swearing and cursing. We can't be praying for the hallowing of God's name and then walking in immoral, filthy conduct and walk the seeking of God's glory stands in antithesis from the filthy immoral movies the television programs the books the video games the music of the world we seek to separate ourselves from that which is dishonoring to God and we not only make it a matter of our prayer hallowed be thy name but we make it a matter of conviction. Now, by nature, everything within us runs counter to this petition. There are all kinds of struggles that take place within our natures. And we battle against this petition. We just have that small beginning of new obedience. And the result then is that when it comes to showing, for instance, respect for authority, we're inclined to be irreverent. We're inclined to be disrespectful to authority. And that carries it over then to our relationship with God as well. We're inclined to pursue our own way, our own will, our own lusts, our own passions. And so we cry out to God, for mercy, turn me, and I shall be turned. God gives us access through Jesus Christ to Himself. And as we come into His presence, what a marvelous thing I can come into the presence of the almighty God who knows my heart, who's at work in me by his spirit, who will work in me the repentance and the sorrow and the turning that is necessary. This fills us with reverence. It fills us with awe. And there's something remarkable in that regard. The Jews were trained in the reverence that was associated with the tabernacle and then with the temple. There were all kinds of regulations that required them proper preparation. Today we come without having to heed all of those external requirements. The veil has been lifted. The middle wall has been broken down. And so we can approach God now at any time. We must not take for granted that freedom, nor walk in an irreverent manner as a result. When we begin our prayer, we use expressions that extol him, that lift up his name, that acknowledge how great and how glorious he is, so that we give an indication that we understand to whom it is that we're coming in prayer. There's also this, whenever something is free, it's easy for us to take it for granted. If we're going to go talk to a lawyer or an accountant or someone that is a professional, we expect to pay for that advice. And therefore we approach carefully. We come prepared and equipped so that we can know exactly what it is that we want to say carefully. God doesn't charge us anything to come to Him in prayer. We have to be careful then by that not to underappreciate also this privilege or to then come in a manner which lacks preparation. Preparation. We yet prepare our hearts. We examine our walk. And we come then in sincerity, in love for him, and with devotion. And we cry out to him from the outset in our prayer, acknowledging our deep need for him. Hallowed be thy name. We can't see him. So there's temptation sometimes to come into his presence and without thinking. To be little prayer, to just be going through the motions. But God is great and greatly to be praised. And Jesus says from the very beginning of your prayer, keep this in mind, God's glory is that which is above all else. And it's that which you are to seek. And you're to acknowledge that His glory, His will, His name is the most important thing in your life. Everything else pales in comparison to it. Rightly to know thee and to confess. That then must be, beloved, our goal and our understanding of our need we need to have the right perspective we need to have the right knowledge and understanding and there's nothing more exciting than to study God and to study his character study God's glorious greatness study the wonder of creation study God's promises and God's word study the wonder of God's sovereignty We live in a day and age when God's sovereignty is being denied and belittled. The fact that God is sovereign, that he is ruling over all things, study that glorious truth. And the result, beloved, of studying and growing in our understanding of God and his greatness and his glory is such that increasingly we're filled with awe. We're filled with thankfulness. This is the God who has embraced me in love. Why did he look upon me? Why did he deem that I was the one upon whom he would set his love? And we stand humbled to the depths of our being, stirred to excitement, because this great God, this glorious one, compared to whom there is none like unto him, has looked upon me in mercy, has given me free access into his throne room. And as the incomparable completely other one whom i can't even define he is the one who now represents me and cares for me and provides for me as my heavenly father and god's name represents who he is when we say hallowed be thy name we're saying hallowed be god we're acknowledging that we can't separate god from his name he is his name and our desire is that god's name so stand up and stand out in our lives that Every moment of every day, it's guiding and governing all the decisions that I make. We worship Him aright as we pray. We pray with that desire for that glory and that honor. And so again, we have to ask ourselves, am I praying in that manner? Do I pray with that desire for God's glory? Am I praying in the awareness of this great God and what I owe unto Him? Am I starting to, my prayer with an acknowledgement of my sin, my unworthiness, acknowledging that who can stand before the presence of this glorious God? This God who revealed himself in all of his glory at Calvary. It's especially at Calvary that God's glory was displayed in all of its splendor. As God had pledged, the soul that sins, that soul must die. And God would not look the other way at sinners, But God demanded sin must be punished. And he punished his own son. And he showed that way his mercy, his justice in demanding that sin be punished, his mercy in providing a Savior for his people. One who could stand in their place as very God and man and take upon himself that punishment in order that they might live. At Calvary, God's name is hallowed. And we're left in awe. We're left humbled. We realize how great this God is whom we serve. We realize what measures he went for me and for my salvation. And we lift his name up in Jesus Christ. We delight in it. And we come to know God as the Holy Spirit applies that word to our hearts. And as we grow in our understanding of his word, his promises, stirring us up in order that more and more we reverence him we stand in awe of Him and we give Him the glory. God magnifies His Word in our lives by His Spirit. And that Spirit directs us heavenward. And so God answers a prayer like this. Hallowed be Thy name. How would God answer this prayer? God answers this prayer by giving you and me grace in every circumstance of life. To acknowledge his hand and to acknowledge the need to give him the praise that is due unto his name. In answer to this prayer, God gives us the needed grace in all of life to put him first and to seek him. He gives us grace to glorify his name not only. He gives us grace to do so when things are going not well for us but difficult. He gives us the grace in prosperity as well as in adversity. He gives us the grace in sickness as well as in life, in death, so that we are able to set him before us and know that this great God is our God. And we will give him honor and praise. And God does this not only in the lives of his children, moving us to seek him and to praise him and to acknowledge him, to do so in song, to do so in our lives, to do so in worship. But he does so also by seeing to it that his name is honored by all the world and by all men. God's kingdom will come. God's will will be done. God's kingdom and will are not going to be hindered or hampered by the efforts and the works of men or the devil. The devil opposes. Wicked men stand opposed. But God will see to it that his purpose will be accomplished. And the glory of God will be revealed especially at the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Bound up in our prayer is a prayer for the coming of Jesus Christ when God's name finally will be hallowed in all of its fullness. When the wicked will be required to bow before Him and to give Him the glory that is due unto His name. God's glory then will be realized in the beauty of the new creation, in the perfected saints in glory god's glory will be realized in the innumerable throng that's gathered before his throne out of every nation tribe and tongue testify to the greatness and the wonder of that salvation even through the wicked god said concerning pharaoh in exodus 14:17 that he would get me honor upon pharaoh Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I should honor him? And God said, I will get your honor. Through the destruction of the wicked, God's power, God's honor, God's glory is realized. But Jehovah God answers this prayer by working in our hearts the wonder that God in his goodness has joined me to His own Son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ then is my head. And knowing Jesus Christ then as my head, I know that His glory is my glory. Now we cannot even begin to fathom the greatness of the glory of God. But God brings us into the enjoyment of that marvelous glory. God does not keep that glory for Himself. God showers that glory also upon His own in Jesus Christ. And God makes it so that then we know the fullness of joy and hope. The believer growing in grace, growing in the knowledge of God, growing in the awareness to give God praise and honor and ultimately looking forward to that day when God will bring him into the fullness of that salvation and give unto him the wonder of of that glory, as it's found in the Godhead. What marvelous wonder that God would shower upon us that goodness, that mercy, so that now, as we find ourselves in the midst of this life, we pray, and our desire is that our whole lives, our thoughts, our words, our actions, convey the fact that God's name is extolled. And that God's name is praised in our life. This is not only the way we pray, beloved, then, this is the way we live, God-centeredly. Lifting up God's name every day as that around which my life revolves. Opening my eyes, my actions, my conduct to pursue His will and His service. Not just prayer, but also after my prayer the whole of my life. This is how I must speak, must live, and must act. My meditation of Him is sweet, and He's always before my face, and He's my motivation in all the decisions I make. We speak of Him. We speak to Him. We speak of Him to others so that our life is about God and His glory. You can't pray God's name be hallowed and then not talk about him to others we talk about him to our children we impress upon them the importance of obedience this great God is your God this becomes the foundation of discipline in the home this is the God whom you must bow before and you must serve and we pray and we delight then in that service Again, this was the life of Jesus Christ. His whole life was devoted to the glory and honor of God. Why is it that we send our children to Christian schools? We desire to see our children's lives centered around the glory of God. We desire to bring up children who will be committed not to the things here below and the service of the world or the devil, but to God and to his praise. And we live as those who are God conscious. And we pray for that grace increasingly to reveal that. And every day we're falling on our knees and saying, God, forgive me my earthly mindedness. Help me to be more God conscious. Help me to be more heavenly minded in my walk and my conduct. Cause me more to be immersed in thy word and cause that word to direct my pathway and to guide my lives. That Jehovah God is number one in my life and that that is evident. And then give me wisdom, so to speak to others about this great God. Of the thousands of words that we speak in a day, how much of it is centered around the greatness of the glory of God? We see with the psalmist, beloved, the glory of God. His greatness displayed all about us. And we pray, hallowed be thy name. Cause that greatness to live in my heart and in my life that I might reflect it more fully. Amen. Our Father who art in heaven, strengthen us, forgive us, work in us that increasingly we might know and believe that our lives are hid up in Jesus Christ, our Savior, that we are not alone, our own, we belong to Him. And so work in us by His Spirit to overcome temptation To overcome earthly mindedness. Overcome the lusts, the desires of the flesh. To know true repentance and to live unto thee. As those who love thee, who delight in thee. And look forward to the fullness of thy glory in the new Jerusalem. This we pray for Jesus' sake. Amen.